Welcome to the Providence Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Nathan Herndon. If you'd like to stay connected, download our app Providence Community from your phone's app store or visit our website at providencecommunity.org. All right, so guys, um, want to welcome you all uh, this morning, especially I want to welcome you who, uh, who are weary this morning, okay? Uh, maybe someone that, uh, that feels like you would uh, describe yourself as a weary traveler in life and that life has been uh, rude to you and difficult to you and challenging uh, for you. And I want to welcome you uh, because I want to tell you this morning that God sees you and the stuff that only you know about in your heart and in your mind, God sees that and you're not, uh, you're not overlooked by him. And I, I want to speak to people, especially this morning, who, who are so, so tired, so exhausted that you don't really know how you're going to do life. I remember being a, a, a parent when my, when my kids were babies and getting no sleep and up all night with them. You don't know how you're going to face the next day, but, but God sees you and, and you're going to be there. And some of you that have come here this morning and you were tempted because of the weather just to stay home, but you've come anyway, I think you're not here by mistake and God sees you and, and he wants to um, not uh, allow you anymore to let weariness be your identity, but he wants to show you a better way. I just believe this morning that people here that are weary, I think you need to hear that you don't need to stay weary. Um, I think in the church we champion weariness, we champion uh, tiredness, uh, we, we champion being stressed out. Uh, we say things in the church like, uh, the devil doesn't sleep, so I won't. <laughs> you know, uh, we say, you know, I'll sleep when I die. Um, things like that. But I think this morning what God wants to do is he wants to break weariness off and he wants to revive our hearts with refreshment uh, in him. And so uh, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to begin with Mark chapter 2, uh, starting with verse uh, 23. We're going to talk a little bit more this morning about Sabbath. And I think that Sabbath is one of these big things biblically that is easy to lose. Um, recently, I had to renew my driver's license. And... Um, you know, I renewed the license, took a, you know, they take the picture, you, know, you kind of go through the whole process uh, because I, I turned uh, 41 and my license had expired and so I need to go get a new one. And then two days in, I lost my license um, and uh, it was, it was uh, quite a thing looking all over the house for something that is very small, but you can have a car, but the car can't be legally driven without the license, correct? Right? Um, you can have maybe something small too, like keys to that vehicle. You can have the vehicle. It's hard to lose the vehicle, uh, but it's much easier to, to lose the things that actually make them work, the things that turn them on, the things that, that, uh, that, that bring a blessing as you drive. Hope that makes a little bit of sense. But this morning, Sabbath and rest are, are two of the small things that they feel small to us. We have very little understanding of what they are, but they actually help us drive the car legally. Okay? Um, the, and I, I think that one of the things that God wants to do is, is that he, he wants us to begin to, to guard our rest and guard Sabbath. And he wants to establish, establish Sabbath in 2020 where, where you rest with no shame and you rest with no apology. Okay? Um, I, I always love the brave souls that on social media, they say, hey, I just got back from like Aruba. And, uh, and then, you know, because I think when you, when, when you see, oh, they went on a trip and uh, lots of Facebookers will say, well, that would be nice to be able to, but I'm too busy doing, you know, God's work and working, you know. And we have this type of mentality that we judge people who rest well and we over-celebrate people who are weary. 
And so I, I can tell by the silence of the room that there's chains that need to be broken. All right? Because listen, here's what God's teaching me. You can't amen what you don't know. All right? So I'm starting to be okay. Like when, when it's quiet in the room, just like don't fake an amen. I'm not asking for that anymore. There was a season where I, I needed to feel like you were with me. I don't need to feel like you were with me. I feel like I have a sense of what God's doing in this season. And so if this is an amenless message, that's fine. I, I, would, I would rather stand up here feeling uh, the quietness of the room and have you wrestling with the truth of God's word than, than get some amens just for me. Don't amen for me, all right? Is that good? Okay, okay, there we go. So there we go. Yeah, so you get that. Was that Ed Gross? All right, man, that's good. But I believe, guys, listen to this. You who have, you've actually formed your identity around your stress. You've formed your identity around your work ethic. You've formed your identity around your tiredness. You actually, one of the things that you lead conversations with is, yeah, I, I can go on three to four hours of sleep a night. Let me tell you, that's not good. It's not good. Um, working hard so you have nothing to give is not good. Uh, living on fumes instead of a full tank is not the divine design. Do you hear this? Um, God, God has plans for you, and he, want, he wants you to be his representatives in the world, not, not weary and barely making it, but full and overflowing so you have something to give. I, I want Providence to be not a stint or a season, but I want Providence to be a, a church that is planted, that, uh, that leaves legacy, okay? And so if we try to do life uh, under the, the world's idea of what busyness is, in, in fact, if you go, I've never been to Europe, but I hear that Europe rests much better than America, and other places rest much better than America. I think there's some places where you actually have a siesta in the middle of the day, and I'm always tempted to move there. Uh, it's warmer. In America, you drink coffee until you die, all right? And so that is not, that is not the divine design. You hear this? God is establishing um, in 2020 a Sabbath again. And he does not want us to apologize for going on a, on a vacation, for taking a break. He doesn't want us to have to hide the reality that we're resting. He wants us to lead with it. In fact, I think what God is doing, and we'll see here in a moment as we break into the scriptures, is that, that what God, the way God designed it is that we would not work for rest, but from it. Okay? That we would not, we would not like the, the first day of, of the week it isn't, isn't the day where we're really tearing it up, and ah, ah, but we would work from it. That was the design, all right? In fact, the Sabbath day uh, used to be Saturday, and it's more of the day that you kind of springboard into the new week uh, instead, of, instead of working for the weekend. Everybody works for it. I, I just when the weekend comes, when the weekend comes. Well, guys, that's the cart before the horse in God's kingdom. You got that? All right. Mark chapter 2, starting with verse 23. I'm going to read this to us. Mark chapter 2, starting with verse 23. On the Sabbath... He, that's Jesus, was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, that's so he and his disciples, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. Um, so they're obviously hungry, and so they're, as they're walking through the fields, they're plucking heads of grain, and, uh, and the implication is here that they're eating them. Um, now, verse 24, and the Pharisees, who are the religious leaders of the day, who guarded the law, um, uh, were saying to him, that's Jesus, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Now, I, I can't imagine, just ima I can't imagine this, that this is craziness. Um, I know nobody does this. 
But can you imagine having people in your life that you, you watch with such scrutiny that they grab a few you know, you know, pieces of green and pop them in their mouth and you sound alarms, okay? This is, the, this is the way that Jesus and his disciples were washed. And so his disciples begin plucking some green on the Sabbath day and eating them, and that goes against the Pharisaical rules of the day about what you're allowed to do on the Sabbath. You're not allowed to reap and eat, on the Sabbath, you're allowed to eat, but there's, there's rules on how. And the disciples are breaking these rules. They're walking through the green fields, they're reaping, and they're eating, and the Pharisees are watching them with such scrutiny that they're saying to Jesus, unlawful, unlawful, unlawful. Now, here's the interesting thing. Well, I'll get to that later. Let me keep reading. Verse 25, and he, that's Jesus, said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and hungry? He and those who were with him, verse 26, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence. Now that's much bigger than eating grain in a field. Okay, this is the, the, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. So this is, the bread of the presence was symbolic in the Old Testament temple. This, this is wild. You, you, you don't eat it. There's a lot of fear here, but David walks through when he and his men are hungry. He takes the bread of the presence, he eats it, and he gives it to his heathen followers and they're eating what only holy priests are supposed to eat and Jesus is pointing back to the Bible when the Pharisees judge him from their version of it and Jesus says this and he said to them the Sabbath was not the Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath so the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath in other words, Jesus is saying, what my, what my disciples are doing are sanctioned by me, who is the Lord of the Sabbath. And he's, he's showing much more clearly what the Sabbath was designed to be and do that the Pharisees did not get at all. They loved the law, but they missed the heartbeat of it. And Jesus is shining the light on that. And I want to dig into that and talk for a few moments about what Sabbath is because let's, let's be honest, most of us don't walk around talking about rest, let alone Sabbath, okay? And so let's talk about what the word Sabbath means uh, for a moment. The word Sabbath is, is actually a Hebrew word for Shabbat. It's a verb and it just means to rest. So when we say rest and we say Sabbath, um, they are, th that's, that's what we're talking about here. The word Sabbath means to rest. It's a verb. Um, it's, it's designed to be Sabbath. The Sabbath day was designed to be a day of rest a day of refueling, a day uh, that is wrapped around intimacy with God by, uh, and, and, and intimacy with family. It was a day where, um, where you entrust to God all the stuff that you have on your to-do list and say, listen, guys, there's always going to be something to do. Sabbath is saying, I'm shelving that and I'm trusting God with my to-do list. Okay, there's actually Sabbath worked into every single day, not just every single week. There's a night and a day. The night is the Sabbath that you sleep and then you wake up to face the day. And there should be a time during, the, during our day, uh, let's say 9, 10 o'clock at night, where you say, hey, I didn't get the laundry done, didn't get the dishes done, get the, didn't get the sermon written, but I'm Sabbathing from those things. It's, it's every single day there's an invitation to rest. We could work all night long, could we not? 
There's so many things to do, but Sabbath is a time to surrender to-do list, surrender stress, surrender anything that would not revitalize us and, re- and refresh us. So basically what Sabbath is, and this is, this is skimming the surface, guys. I know that some of you know that this is your area, and so I'm not trying to be completely conclusive on this. I'm, tr- I'm trying to get this ball rolling, but basically Sabbath is rest from work and where you do what fills you, not what drains you, okay? Sabbath is you do what fills you, not what drains you. The Pharisees were overcomplicating it by wrapping all kinds of rules around it. So if you have a Sabbath, if your understanding of Sabbath is, is so constrictive that, that, you, that you're even afraid to take a walk on a nice day, um, I want to welcome you to the, the heart and the biblical definition of what this is. Because this is, you're supposed to do on a Sabbath what fills your tank, not what, not what drains it. And so, um, so the, the Pharisees here, they're overcomplicating it. And that is our tendency. We overcomplicate things. Um, Sabbath is, is uh, let, I, I want to repeat myself, want to be repetitious here. Sabbath is, is saying, God, I've got stuff to do. I trust that my life is in your hands. Take this while I refuel and refresh. The religious leaders made extra biblical rules on Sabbath. Uh, there's whole books that the Pharisees wrote and the Pharisees guarded um, uh, on, uh, uh, that would define the, con- the control that the Pharisees wanted to have on what a Sabbath was. And so some of those things were, there was, uh, there's rules on how far you're actually allowed to walk. Um, there's rules on what type of work is acceptable. Um, and it is so crazy. I'm not even going to get it. We could get off on a rabbit trail. Easy. We could get very mad at Pharisees right now if I, if I kept talking. But there was, there was books and laws back in the day that weren't necessarily coming from the Bible. They were added to the Bible. And the Pharisees heralded these things like they were biblical, but they weren't. And uh, so this has happened to even Sabbath today a lot. So religious leaders made extra biblical rules on how far to walk, what type of work was acceptable, and what resulted was a bondage to man-made laws and a misunderstanding of God's heart when it came to Sabbath. So what happened is Sabbath actually became something that constrained and confined people with religious chains instead of something that set people free to enjoy God and to refuel and to connect with family again. It brought bondage. So this misunderstanding of rest was driving, in, in Jesus' day, uh, people to unhealthy patterns of living. And a misunderstanding of rest is also driving us to unhealthy patterns of living. It's a, we, don't, we don't understand God's heart. We, we have Pharise- pharisaical view, views in our life that when God watches me, he better see me busy. I better be about the Lord's work. Well, you have to understand that part of the Lord's work is rest and being filled up with him. Um, I was trained on the kind of uh, mentality that says you, you pour out your whole life to God, then you go on vacation and kind of refuel a little bit back and come back and pour out your whole life to God, go on vacation. And vacation was kind of the Sabbath. Uh, but I, I'm not knocking vacations. They're very important for this. But that is an unhealthy pattern. And, uh, and it, is, it needs a depth of understanding. I mentioned this already, but uh, about sleep. 
You know, I'll sleep when I die. But, you know, uh, the devil doesn't take a day off. <laughs> you guys know how it is to come up in churches like this where, where striving is spiritual, stressing is spiritual. And even there's, there's a, uh, a pressure when somebody says how you're doing. There's a pressure to say, man, pretty busy. Oh, man, good, good for you. I'll pray that Jesus gives you strength. Well, he wants to give you strength when you rest. When you rest. Do you know this? That too little sleep literally, scientifically, takes years off your life. You know that? There's whole books out on this. You know? Um, there's whole books out on, like, like if you don't get enough sleep, you, you, are, you are like, you, you can take a decade off your life just by not sleeping enough. This, this is, this is it's verifiable fact. Even if you don't believe the Bible and you just want to go to science, science proves that what the Bible teaches is real. And you can see that, that too little sleep takes years off your life. And so, so practically speaking, when I, was, uh, when I was, you know, 25 years old and I did not have uh, children, it was just me and Adrian and we're married, I could get up at five in the morning every single day because I wasn't, my sleep wasn't interrupted. And that was a good, healthy Sabbath type pattern for me. When I started having kids and I started losing sleep, five in the morning was no longer the most spiritual time for me to get up. I needed more sleep and Jesus is okay with that. You hear this? Like, God cares for your sleep. He, he actually designed it. Sleep is not a result of the fall. There was sleeping before there was sin. It is a design of how God wants humanity to go. Okay? Little sleep takes years off your life. Let, let, me, let me tell you this one. And when I'm saying this, I think, you know, God can search my heart. I'm not being proud about this. I'm, God has me on a, on a journey here that's really good. But since about mid uh, to late November, um, I've lost 30 pounds, okay? And uh, ish, I haven't stepped on the scale this morning because I was, you know, it might be more. I don't know. I'm, I'm you know, yes. Uh, but uh, here's, let, let me tell you this. Before I lost 30 pounds, I was going at health from um, working an hour of exercise into my day um, six days a week. So I worked out about six hours a week, okay? Uh, as I've started learning, uh, learning about something called cortisol, which is a stress hormone that your body produces when you're not well rested, as I've been learning about this, and that the, if, if I want to lose weight in my life, what I have to do is I have to attack stress, which produces a, hormo a hormone called cortisol. What cortisol does to the body when stress is present is it tells your body to hold on to fat, and then what it does is your liver releases sugar that then your body burns. So I, when I started losing weight, I stopped exercising. Come on. Somebody amen that, right? Somebody, come on, testify, yes. I actually stopped exercising, and for 30 minutes a day, I started resting. And what I was doing is I was telling my body, you're not running from a bear, and you're not running from, you know, fill in the blank. You're not, everything is okay. Resting, connecting, breathing. I was telling my body that you're not stressed, and what my body was doing is instead of releasing sugar into my uh, bloodstream, it started attacking fat, and I, I just started dropping pounds without stress, literally. Resting when I uh, typically, typically would have been uh, working out. Guys, guys, your body needs Sabbath. 
Your, your body needs rest. And many of us are underrested and overstressed, and we're okay with that sin because it fits into life and doesn't look bad. We have the kinds of sins that we're, that we're not okay with, and, and we get irate about those things, but actually forgetting a Sabbath day, which is extremely biblical, Old Testament took extreme measures to keep people operating in Sabbath, but today we're fine with being stressed instead of well-rested. We're driven by this unhealthy theology, and I've said this so many times, so I just want to break some of these chains. The devil doesn't rest, so neither will I. Listen, um, Jesus already defeated the devil. Stop comparing yourself to how he operates, all right? Um, I'll sleep when I die. That, once again, not spiritual. You need to live as long as you can full of the Holy Spirit as you can possibly be so your life counts. <laughs> you will die sooner if you don't sleep is the more biblical thing. Um, there's, there's, a, there's too many people to be reached to rest. <laughs> uh, it's not that I hear that much, um, but uh, I have heard that before. Um, here's my advice to that one. If that one is somewhere in your mind, listen, be alive to reach them. Be alive to reach them. Um, we've lost so many people over history who have not operated in Sabbath, and man, did their lives count, but it could have kept counting I think we actually welcome a lot of um, disease and unhealth into our lives just because of the presence of stress who's breeding it. Okay, so Jesus is, is here and he's talking about Sabbath. The, the, the people he's talking to would have had a great understanding of Sabbath that we don't have from the Old Testament. Now, if you just flip just for a moment to Genesis chapter 2, um, you see Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, one through three um, you see this. It says this, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Okay? That's interesting. Okay, uh, let, let, me, let me just hit pause right now. Here's, here's before you, you go down this trail, uh, you don't say, well, if God needed to rest, surely we do, all right? Um, that's not, God didn't need to rest. He's doing something bigger, all right? So, so don't go down that trail. But listen, so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now, let's talk about this for a moment, that in the beginning of time, God is creating the universe, and he's creating galaxies, and he's creating solar systems, and he's creating stars, and he's creating planets, and, and he's creating what inhabits them. And he's having a good, good old time doing it, turning his words into manifestations of what his words say. And so he's, he's, he's speaking and it's becoming, and then he does that for six days, and then on the seventh day, he is found resting. Now, listen to this, all right? Listen to this. It's not that he needed to rest. In other words, let me say it this way. God is not resting for himself because he had some type of deficiency. Let me say it this way. God wasn't so exhausted from speaking nothing into something that he had to readjust and recalibrate like he lost something. He is, you know, the, the Bible actually says that, uh, that God does not grow tired or weary. 
We have to interpret scripture with scripture. God doesn't get tired, but he is found resting. Why is, why is the Lord of everything who does not grow tired, who does not grow weary, who does not sleep, why is he found resting on the seventh day? And let me tell you this, guys. This could be revelational for you. This could be new. This could be life-changing. That God is found resting not for himself but for us. He's resting for us. What he's doing is he's instituting a model for creation to operate in. The creator is telling creation, this is how you're going to operate. This is how you're going to roll. This is how you're going to do life. This is how it works. It's not because he needed it at the time. He's resting because we would need it in the future. You hear that? God doesn't need anything. Doesn't need you, doesn't need me. He wants us crazily. But does not need it. God doesn't need rest. Nowhere in the Bible does it say God needs rest. He, he has You've got to have a big enough theology to know that God has no deficiency. He's not resting because he needs it. He's resting because he's doing something in creation. He's creating with, with the creation in mind. And he's weaving into the fabric of creation itself a divine heavenly principle called rest that we would need. This is why Jesus is saying in Mark chapter 2, go back there, Mark chapter 2, verse, verse 27. Whoa, man, I went to Philippians. Read that. Uh, Mark chapter 2, verse 27, Jesus is saying, hey, Pharisees, you who are literally watching us pop green kernels into our mouth, get a life. <laughs> get a biblical life. Said The Sabbath, you don't even know this. Like, you are the teachers of Israel. You are those who have committed your whole life to studying the scriptures and you don't even know this one biblical truth that the Sabbath was not, that, that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, we don't serve the Sabbath, the Sabbath serves us. That's the way that God designed it from the beginning. The Sabbath serves man. So, so this is not working for Sabbath, this is working from it. We take this tool into our lives that gives, us, that gives us rest, and then we operate in the strength that it provided. Uh, we want to operate in power, but we, we have a life that where we drain ourselves of everything and never get refueled. You've, you, part of your work has to be refueling and refreshing. It is best for the kingdom, it is best for your family, it's best for your heart, it's best for you. So sleep at night. You sleep, then you work from your rest, you don't strive and then sleep because you're exhausted. And it's a posture of the heart that we have to get familiar with. I'm sleeping, refueling, waking up to operate in the calling and the, the new day that God has spoken for me to rock in. This is, your, you, you work from rest. Exodus 23, 12. Here's the command. Six days you should do your work. Listen, work is great. It's, how, it's, it's, it's good. Work is good. Operating in your calling is good. Striving's not. Working's good. But on the seventh day you shall rest. 
that your ox and your donkey may have rest, and the son of your servant woman, and the alien. Aliens not meaning extraterrestrials, it's meaning people outside Israel, I think. Um, Listen, that, that you're, even the people who serve you and work for you, even your ox and your donkeys, even aliens, even people outside covenant Israel may be refreshed. What? What? So the biblical purpose for Sabbath is that God's creation, especially people, would get full of him again, would get refreshed again. God wants to look out and see that you're full, that you're full. Like, why when God wants to pour his love into you? Why when God literally, do do you see the terminology of the scripture? God pours his love into us. God fills us with the Holy Spirit. Do you see this? God wants us full. And we have have celebrated fumes. We have celebrated toiling and trying and striving. We have celebrated weariness. And that's become our identity. And we just say, yeah, I'm just nothing. I just barely make it through, but heaven's coming. Well, why don't you give the earth a taste of heaven while you're here? This is, you, God wants you to be a representation of his heart to the world. And when the world looks at the church, not the angry ones, not the bored ones, not the tired ones, but the full ones bringing life to dead places, light to dark places. This is the call of God on the church. And it takes fullness to get there. Can I say this? God wants you. I can say this, I I believe, with biblical authority and weight. God wants you to be refreshed. I'm not saying that you're not going to face hard times. I'm not saying that loss is not going to happen in your life and you're going to be exhausted and wasted. I am saying that you don't have to stay there and God's always got enough to pull you out of that place. I'm saying that he has refreshing for you that is bigger than any trauma or tragedy or situation in your life. I'm saying that God is so big that you can be refreshed in the midst of the valley. That's what I'm saying. God wants you, God wants, God desires that your life will be full, not empty. God desires that you you will be refreshed, not depressed. God desires that. God is not impressed with your striving. God did not wire your body to run on stress and keep going on coffee. It's great as coffee is. I love it. I, I want to use coffee to be alert in the morning when, I, when I'm up with Jesus. Not, not to keep me, uh, you know, not to keep me going in my stress. He's not impressed with your exhaustion. That is not, that is not his best for you. Do you believe that? That your stress is not God's best for you. God's heart. God's heart is that your life would be refreshed. The question is, are you? And when we ask that question, we we have to look at our lives. And and, and this needs to start with repentance and say, God, have I devalued your word, your holy word? Have I devalued your heart? Where you actually say that, that Sabbath is created by you to actually serve me. That I was not made for Sabbath. Sabbath was made for me. And so, God, I'm going to take resting, and I'm going to take refreshing, and I'm I'm taking revitalization seriously. So are you refreshed is a massive question for your 2020. Are you going to posture yourself, and are you going to plan not to just accomplish things, but to be full of God in 2020? I, um, 
when, when uh, me and my family go on vacations, um, I like to take that time to go visit other churches, you know, because I come here and I stand here most Sundays and like, yeah, and I love this. This is so good. So good. I love doing this. I, 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 I love it. Love it. Love to see God on the move. I know that I know that I know that God is on the move at Providence. We're not a perfect church, but God, God doesn't care about our perfection. He, he only sees his. And he's calling us to higher heights and deeper depths than, than we could ever possibly imagine, guys. And I love being a part of Providence. Uh, Providence is exhausting, though, especially when I'm stressing and striving and Doing things on my own. In fact, a, a great way to an early grave is, pre- is preaching in your own power. There's nothing that has drained my soul. Like having to stand here and, instead of wanting to stand here. And I, I know that the, the pastor burnout rate is absolutely insane. It changes all, all the time. The pastor burnout rate is absolutely insane. And so we were on vacation, like I, I like to visit churches. And so there was one church that I wanted to go visit, visit while we were you know, at a certain town. And I found out that pastor resigned. Oh man, that's a bummer. Well, this is no lie. Okay, let me go to the next one. That pastor was fired. Oh man. So we got, we're kind of like, we're skipping around. We got friends all over the country. It's great. Uh, we're going, we're just mooching off their houses, just saying, we want a fellowship. You know, so, uh, but uh, we got, there was another church. There was this, this other pastor. I couldn't go to that church too uh, because that pastor had a meltdown, which turned into moral failure, which came out that for decades he was addicted to pornography and acting like he wasn't. <laughs> Sometimes our hearts hurt so bad that we try to refresh with worldly stuff. And we don't understand how God has designed it. God has designed it to rest. You know what, you know what, in in the defense of these pastors, do you know what would happen if social media blew up with these pastors resting that are being paid by the church? Is they would be crucified emotionally. What, we don't pay him to do that. Look at, we don't pay her to drive that. Hey, we don't, like what? They need to be working. Well, if you want their work to come off as power, they've got to rest. So we, we champion busyness and those who are busy and we feel bad if we're not, but the fruit of that kind of lifestyle and that kind of culture is tumultuous, meltdown, turnover and turmoil. And it doesn't work. And I love the voice of Jesus but you have to slow down to hear it. Uh, God doesn't speak to me. Oh, that's because you always have the radio on. Because <laughs> you're so afraid of what he might say that you hide behind stuff. You know that it is possible to rest in the storm? Do you know that? I haven't been able, we, we hide behind the excuse. I haven't been able to rest because all stuff is swirling around me. I can't even do it. I'm in the storm, I'm in the storm, I'm in the storm. Winds are blowing, people are screaming at me. I'm trying to get water out of our ship. Well, flip two chapters over. Look at Mark chapter four, verse 35 to 41. On that day when evening had come, he said to them as his disciples, let us go across to the other side. That's the sea. And leaving the crowd, they they took uh, with them in the uh, boat just as he was, and the other boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat. So the boat was, was already filling, but he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. Don't tell me it's not possible to rest in the storm. Jesus is modeling this. 
Jesus is mine. What a great windstorm arose. Waves were breaking into the boat, so the boat was already filling. And Jesus is sleeping, sleeping on the cushion. And they woke him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear of him now, not of the wind, and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and sea obey him? Let me tell you who this is. This is the one who wrote the book on Sabbath. This is the one who formed each one of us in our mother's womb. This is the one who knows how to not just save but care for his own. And here he is modeling. You can sleep in a storm. You can sleep in a storm. Let's not confuse where rest comes from. Rest does not come from perfect situations and perfect scenarios and perfect lives. Rest does not come from perfect marriages and perfect existences. Rest comes from Jesus. It's not the absence of storms. It's the presence of Jesus in them. That's where rest comes from. And many of us, we're so busy that we know nothing of the presence of Jesus, so we only know how to strive in a storm and bail out water and scream at others. And we don't know how to rest in the storm. Do you know that St. Augustine? He says that our souls never rest until they find their rest in you, Jesus. Here's someone centuries ago saying, my soul will never rest until it finds its rest in you. Rest is not something that you strive for. Rest is someone you find. Hold on to Bank on. Trust. We don't need a day off. We need Sabbath. We, need, we don't need vacation. We need Sabbath. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 and 29. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Did you come in here weary? The invitation is, I, I, it's not seven principles on helping you be out from under weary. No, it's, it's as simple as this, guys. You want something practical? Jesus says, come to me. You're under a load, heavy laden? Come to me. Come to me. I'll give you rest. What does that look like? Well, it's simpler than you know. You, you don't need to spend money on a Bible study. Spend money on a Bible. Get on your knees. Say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Talk to me. Lead me. Jesus goes on to say, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You will find rest for your souls. Third John, shortest book in the Bible. John is actually writing to, to dear, he calls everybody beloved, because, because in, in the house of God, you are. And he says, I hope that, that uh, uh, your health as well as your soul prospers. Wasn't that, that in the Bible? No. No, that sounds too like, what? No, I, I pray that, that your health as well as your soul prospers. Guys, when our soul is diseased and striving, it impacts our physical bodies. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. The implication here is be still. What God ministers to you in the silence is that he is God. Here's the implication, and you're not. You can rest. You're not God. The 
earth doesn't orbit around this, this tiny star called the sun by the word of your power, but by the word of Jesus' good pleasure. You can rest because he is God. Be still, be still, be still. Know that you're not God and he is. Mark chapter six, verse 31. Here's Jesus's invitation. Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and stress out a while and strategize the future. <laughs> uh, come away for a planning weekend. No, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. It's amazing how plans would come to you when you're full. It's amazing how plans would come to you when you escape the noise of the world. Luke chapter 5, 15 and 16. We don't have these on the scripture. I'm just, I'm just banging these out. You good? Great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. Man, wouldn't you, wouldn't you think, man, there's great crowds everywhere. There's great crowds. Wouldn't you think that you would just, you would just exhaust yourself until you pass out or have a migraine? Healing, speaking, doing Jesus' thing. But actually, the Bible says that he would withdraw to desolate places and pray because the secret place is where the strength comes from. Wow. I am in that one myself. The, the, the secret place, guys, ha, has to be the heartbeat of our lives where we come away with Jesus. We understand his yoke. We are still and know that we're not God and that he is. That we're, we, we, there, there's desolate places in our lives where we know what it is to sit at Jesus' feet. You know that there's always something to do. There's, you, we're never going to escape that. You know, any, any one of us in, in 90 seconds can, can make a list of goals for the day. But Sabbath is trusting God with your life and declaring that he's in, in control and you're not. Um, so if you are interested in taking a step into 2020, um, here's, here's something simple that I would, I would encourage you to do, is that you, you from, from today, that you declare a day of rest in your life and you guard it. You make no excuses. Oh, wow, we couldn't, because so-and-so stopped by. Don't let him in. <laughs> oh, hey, hey, this is my Sabbath day. And you know what? You stress me out. Bye-bye. <laughs> That's what family looks like, beloved. Okay? We, it is, your life is best for them when you're full, not, not when you're being drained. Declare a day of rest in your life and guard it. Jonathan Edwards' wife had 11 children, and she declared that when she was under a blanket, this blanket with her Bible, that you could not, you could not, she, she, was, she was out. She's with Jesus. You're going to die if you come here, all right? And back in that day, you probably would. She's like, I'm under my blanket. This is my Sabbath. You can't talk to me. You, you have to have a, a, a safe place where you can go and meet with God, whether it's a closet in your house, or whether it's a, 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 a park bench, or whether it's a, a, a lake walk. There has to be some place that is a desolate place for just you and Jesus where you declare this is a time of rest, a day of rest, and I'm guarding it. It doesn't come easy. Here's some hard lessons that I've had to learn over my life. That it's better to let people down than to be exhausted. It's better for them that I let them down now. So I'm not exhausted when I'm with them, but I reschedule with them when I'm full. It's, it's better to not live up to other people's expectations than to live a life where the best example or the best word to define how you're living is drained. It's, it's better to have less money and more time. 
It's better to be filled than on fumes. It's, it's, listen to this one. This is a great one. It's better to live with enemies than exhaustion. It's better to have enemies on the outside than, than exhaustion on the inside. It's better. And so some of us, we, we don't even know how to rest well. Like, and, and listen, rest is more than Netflixing and Disney Plusing. It is. If that's what fills you up, little Swiss Family Robinson, all right, on Disney Plus, okay, that's that, fine, fine. But there's more to it than that. And if you want to start, I would start, you know, there's lots of things, read the scriptures, pray like a revivalist, preach to yourself, lead. You know what? If you want to lead worship here, you better be leading worship to yourself, with yourself, to your family, to your at home. This is, this is how this works. This is not performance. This is, is worship. All right? So lead worship by yourself. Contend for others in prayer. There's all kinds of great things to do. But if you want to start, I would just start by being silent. Being silent. Um, I, I was getting, I was falling into this a little bit. And I, I actually, even, even one day this, this past week, I, I fell into this where I, in the mornings when I get up, um, if, I, if I got up maybe a little bit late or, you know, the, the kids have to get out the door, you know, I'm packing lunches and I'm getting breakfast ready and Adrian and I are tag teaming on this. Um, but I would just start turning on the news. And I, and I would say, I, I tell the family, I just want to see the weather. Well, you know, the weather in Hanover, you know, south central Pennsylvania, it's, it's crazy. Like, it's just like 70 today, you know, ice tomorrow, you know. Um, so it, but I was, I was saying that as a cop-out and a cover-up to not have to deal with the silence. Guys, guys, guys. We, when we drive in our vehicles, we pop on the radio, and we got WJTL, and we got Jason Upton, and we got, we, we got you know, live from the hill. Providence, yes, come on. Okay, someone. We, we got all this stuff, but listen, even worship music can be a cover-up, can be a cover-up that keeps you from Sabbath. And there's something about silence. Be, just be still before me. I, I listen to a lot of sermons, but I was actually finding that, you know what sermons were doing? Sermons were insulating me from God's voice in my life. And sermons were keeping me from having to be, be quiet and be real what was going on right in here. And silence will scare you back. That's why we run from it. Sermons, avoiding God's voice, because the pain that can surface in silence will make you turn on the radio fast. Because God, God's been waiting for this. Say, hey, I've only got a moment here. I've got a brief second here. Let's talk. Let's talk. Oh, no, no, no. Let's pretend I've heard from you. I'll listen to a sermon. I'll listen to a, a song. That's not what silence is. I'll start, just be quiet with God for five minutes a day. Say, God, all ears. Talk to me. I'm here. Is that good? I could keep going. I just know I want us to be a city on a hill. I, I, want us to, I want us to light up the darkness as a church. I really do. For generations, not for a short season. And so I'm inviting you into 2020 into, into a, a life that is patterned after the presence of God where you guard it and you sit and you do life from it and you rest. And if you're going to post anything on social, post you resting and the great stuff that God pours out as you do, all right? No shame, no apology. Amen? Anybody? Who wants this? Stand your feet. If you want this, come on now. Yeah. So, so Heavenly Father, 
Um, I just pray that as we're standing, we're, we're standing into a new season. Pray as we're standing, like maybe some, uh, some chains of uh, a pharisaical religion would just fall off, God. And that we would be released from those, those, uh, that weird thinking. That we would be people that are unashamedly people that sit at your feet and rest a while, hear your voice, love on your heart, eat your word. I just pray that, God. Just, yeah, I just pray for just a, a divine move, God, where you're calling us into the secret place. You're, give, you're giving us hunger to get into the secret place and just to be and just to be, just to be. And that you give us all the grace of, of the crazy, scary stuff that comes out of what's actually going on in our souls. And that you would just bless these people, God. Thank you so much for them. God, thanks that third week in a row I preached a really long sermon. Thanks for grace. And thanks that we can leave now under your uh, as, as conduits of your power and your heart to the world. God, we just pray that we light up the darkness this week. I pray wherever we see death, I pray that, that the life of Jesus will be brought there because you're releasing us into the world. We bless you, we praise you. And I ask all this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that this word will bring light to dark places, life to dead places, hope to desperate places, and heaven to earthly places.